Yo, Broski, turn the gain up. Hey, yo, Ren, turn that up. They won't swallow, we let them sticks breathe. Now my kind, I think they misbreathe. Throw out that ride like I'm fishing. Another level, I'm on a big lead. They want some money like a beast, please. It's fried like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That song never gets old, man. It never gets old. It still has the same bop to it like I heard it the first time. But you know what it is, man. It's the Hardware Report here back again, making sure we're giving you the consistent content with the upcoming off-season. Well, no, we're in the middle of the off-season, the upcoming season, I should say. There's a lot of things going on. But today, in particular, we're going to get into the NBA draft, seeing as how it just passed. Um, have a couple things that we want to talk about, but I won't dig too deep into it before I let these guys get something off their chest. So, Chris, Kev, actually, my bad for the order. Talk to me. How you been? Uh, it's good to be back. Still, NBA draft is on. Players are signing everywhere. A lot of money getting handed out still. These GMs are doing a lot of things I would never do in my life, but congratulations to everyone on that still. It's not my money. Yeah, the NBA is free bands. I've been saying that. It's free band gang. Chris, what are you saying? I just want to say off top, number one, shout out to my dogs, Maury. You know what I'm saying? What people said could not be done has been done. And on top of that, he improved the roster beyond simply getting rid of the cancer. Magician. Other than that, NBA is in full swing. NBA, it's drunk right now. Like the type of stuff that's been going on. So much has happened that it's crazy. It's actually insane. But we're here to talk about all of it. Yeah, we're here to talk about all of it, man. Like, as I said, again, a lot's been going on, but we're going to speak specifically about the draft. We're going to let the offseason trades and, and signings kind of pile up and give like a one megapod for that. But let's get into the NBA draft. So for those of you that don't know, it did happen Wednesday past. Um, overall, like people would say that this isn't a strong draft, right? I don't know how I really feel about that just because... We've seen people say things about past jazz, whether it be strong or, or, or weak, and it turns out to be the opposite. Like we have a two-time MVP and defensive player of the year and another defensive player of the year in one draft that they said was supposed to be horrible. So um, like, I don't know. So I guess my first question is to you, just, just before we get into actual picks and whatnot, like what do you guys think about the overall strength of the draft in comparison to the years past? I feel like it's impossible to answer that right now. It's imp- but what I... Think well, face value, going face to value. Be, yeah, like I, I feel like what, what what's gonna end up happening from this draft is that it's about fit, mo- most first and foremost, right? So like if these players land in like a good place where you know you can maximize whatever thing whatever they actually do bring to the table, um, I think that's when you can take the draft class from being a, a poor draft to you know a, a decent one, like. I feel like what decent drafts are when you get a couple of all-stars, a three, four, five all-stars, and then you have like good role players. You may not get, yeah, you may not get that type of like all-stars, but I feel like this draft has a number of different role players that can definitely help you um, win games in the future. And then it also has upside in guys like if Wiseman hits, if Melo hits, I'm not the biggest Anthony Edwards fan, but like if he hits, that's three guys right there that has plus size potential. Then you have other guys like Devin Vassell. You also have Killian Hayes, Tyrese Halliburton. So like, yeah, we don't, we may not have a Zion in the draft, but we do have a number of names that has the potential to to do something in the league. Yeah, 
like you're not wrong, but I feel like that's every draft, good or bad. I feel like when the first when the first thing you mention is fit, I feel like the draft is shit still. If that's the first thing you go to. And that's not and and I agree with you. So I'm not saying you're wrong for that, but like if that's our thought process in this, the draft's pretty shit still. Cause realistically, this is usually supposed to be about talent, especially when we're talking, you know, the upper lottery, like the first five or whatever it is. And like I'm not too high on any of these guys. Obviously, coming off of Zion and how big of a can't miss guy he was supposed to be, it's kind of our opinion is kind of skewed of what a top draft pick should look like. But when I look at these guys, like even Ja at second, like the second overall pick this year is James Wiseman. And I personally don't think he's ever going to be a star or even like an, uh, you know, a tier below a star in this league, personally. So I think. LaMelo Ball and Anthony Edwards are just, they're boomer bust guys. I don't think there will be an in-between. They'll be absolute dog shit or they'll be great NBA players, all-stars multiple times. So, And then I like I don't even want to get started on like the Patrick Williams mans. These other <laughs> we'll small get into fours that, that mans are drafting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll get into that. So I, yeah, again, I just posed that question because I know like it, it I feel like every every draft class changes every year. Like we look back at it and we look and say, yeah, it got better or it performed at what it was supposed to be or it kind of failed us in terms of expectations. But I feel like in this terms of this draft, again, like you said, Kev, I'm not too high on any of these guys, but I do feel like a lot of these guys can at least be rotation players. And in all honesty, all I can really ask from a draft is that you get most of these guys to actually play long careers in the NBA, right? Like we might get a few all-stars here, here, and there. I don't think we're necessarily going to get some perennial all-NBA player out of this draft. But if we do, it's a plus. But just at face value, I'm not too high. But um, I did want to talk about the top three specifically because um, we've been talking about it for like a year and a half, and it finally happened. It was just a matter of order. So for those of you that don't know, the Timberwolves drafted Anthony Edwards 1, Warriors took James Wiseman 2, and the Hornets took LaMelo Ball 3. So... Um, I, I I specifically want to touch on LaMelo Ball because I feel like out of the top three, he has the highest ceiling. Granted, he could also be one of those players where he never actually pans out, right? Because like we've seen his brother, and not to say that Lonzo's not a good player, because I think he is, but he had similar hype coming out of USCLA and he hasn't lived up to it. So we can see that, I guess just because of the family relation, we can see the comp. But I, I, I personally like him... Out of the out of the three, I like him the best just because I feel like he is that one guy that has the it factor that can actually change the course of the basketball team. What do you guys think? For me, he's definitely my favorite prospect on the entire board. And honestly, the longer time went, it just it it, it the distance between Lamelo and the other players for me just continued to grow, right? And and that's because of some of the shortcomings that other guys had. Like yeah. Anthony Edwards, he's more of a physical talent in terms of, like, his body. You know what I'm saying? Like, they said that he grew to 6'6", with a 6'10 wingspan. He's 230. Like, he can definitely play the three with that type of body. And he came in as a point guard or a shooting guard more so because he only averaged, like, two assists in college. But that was never a point guard, man. We're not going to do that to him. Don't do that to him, man. I will lead ball handler. Lead ball handler, he was supposed to be the lead playmaker on the team. Correct? No, he wasn't. He was supposed to be the bucket getter. So, we talked right. about this. <laughs> all right, whatever. Anyways, so with him, hearing the quotes, him talking about he likes to watch football more than basketball. He wished he was playing basketball. He wished he was playing football over basketball, to be honest, and Ray Tay Tay, whatever, whatever. Like, 
something about that dude is just like, fam, like, nah, I'm, I'm actually cool on that one. Like, you have all the physical measurements, but I don't feel like you really want this type of thing. Nah, but that's kind of unfair, though, because, like, yes, he has the physical measurements, but it's not like it's a James, James Wiseman thing. Like, this guy has talent as well. Like, it's not where men are projecting, oh, you're supposed to get better. Like, he has talent coming into the league. He can get to the rim. He can put it on the floor. Like, no, we're not fam, talking about James a guy who's Wiseman. getting... I like James Wiseman more. I, I, no, no, James I know. Wiseman but, is also a physical talent, but I like right, James but, Wiseman more. But he's like, we're talking about, when we're talking about a raw pos- prospect, that's not necessarily Anthony Edwards. That's more so James Wiseman. So like, it's not fit when you, when the first thing you talk about is the, is his physical tools. It's not really fair to him because he does, uh, he does things on the court. It's not like man's, when we're talking about Anthony Edwards, we're talking about his athleticism, but that's not the only thing we're talking about is what I'm saying. Yeah. So that's fair. That's granted. But, Going back to my comparison with LaMelo, I feel like on day one, LaMelo comes in and the very first thing that he does, and the team needs this more than probably any team in the league, is relevancy. Like, Charlotte has been nothing in the eyes of basketball fans for a good amount of years now, probably since Al Al Jefferson said that he stopped eating Popeye's chicken. That was the last time people can remember saying, I'm a Hornets fan, right? So... Instantly, you get Lamelo Ball, and people are now looking at your roster. Your roster, they're looking at your team. You have national attention. They might even fuck around and get some national broadcast games on ABC on a Sunday. That's number one. Number two, the talent is just superior to me. Like in terms of basketball skill, um, just just his feel for the game. Like I truly do believe that if Lamelo Ball can consistently hit shots, I don't have a like I know his his confidence. That's what separates him and Lonzo. The confidence is not shaken with Lamelo Ball. So if Lamelo Ball can go out there and actually hit it, like I know he's gonna take them, but can you hit them consistently? But, uh, if he does here, that, it's a wrap. Like it's not even here, a discussion on who the best. Isn't that the million dollar question? Though? Here's hold on, hold on, Ross. Please, 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 Tommy. Here's the thing though, right? Anthony Edwards aside, men keep t- like this this uh, this thing about how at the end of the day, you know, Lamelo has confidence. Lonzo didn't. Fam, when Lonzo came into into the NBA, he had bare confidence. He wasn't scared to shoot the ball. He shot 40% from three. That's why this idea... I don't know if he wasn't saying, scared. No, because no, we're, no, we're no, not but talking this, about him shooting like wide open threes. or what. I'm talking about like he never would take a mid-range. He never would take a pull-up. He well, never nah, he would doesn't, take yeah, that. Okay, but, but yo, my thing is... But my thing is... And that's right? what he did in college. My thing is, we can't... like It's, it's twofold here. Because one man... His jumper looked shaky, but he was hitting coming out of college. The next man that we're all championing as saying, this guy is definitely supposed to be a better shooter. His jumper looked shaky and he wasn't hitting. So for me, well, it's like, I think, but hold up. Okay, but there's a lot of men pulling in this league that aren't hitting. What's the Westbrook's pulling? My thing is, I think the idea that we're just saying if he can make a shot is very, we're just, we're saying it way too loosely because we know some men just can't do it. Can't do it. Million His jumper doesn't look conducive to it. But we're talking about a talent perspective. I, I think I, I obviously think it's possible that he can do it. But he's a like based on what he's done in his career, he's a very long way away from that. And sorry, one more thing with Anthony, actually, you know, go ahead, Ross. No, I was just gonna say like again, like my my I like Anthony Edwards a lot, but I understand that Lamelo might be the better prospect, just in not only in terms of fit, but Agreed, just in terms so. of overall skill. But my thing is like the spectrum is so wide with him that he could literally go from being a near all NBA player to literally being a guy that like, dare I say it, like Jamal Crawford. John Waiters. Like, you know what I mean? No, I'm talking about LaMelo Ball. The least I can say yeah, about, I about Anthony Edwards is that he could, he could score the ball. 
Like he, he's a nah, three level nah, scorer. Nah, nah, that's not fair. That's he not could fair. also nah. be the young Raiders. Yeah, that's not fair. <laughs> like, nah, that's foolishness. Nah, I, nah, nah, nah. The way I'm looking the man, at the safer man, the safer man is Lamelo. Still, no question. Because yo, at the end of the day, at least I know Lamelo can pass. That's not a question. At the very that least, usually but I know Edwards can get buckets. Not top five, still. But you're, I hear you. I know Edwards can get buckets. You're wilding. Nah, Fam, the a lot of man's in the can NBA get can get buckets. He can get buckets. Like you know what I'm saying? And like I know, I know that doesn't really mean much these days, but there's still a spot for that in this league. There's guys like even for look at Wiggins. As bad as bad as people talk about Wiggins, we talk about him being bad in comparison to where he was drafted. Like you know what I mean? But if we no, look no, at I him, don't. no, no, not really. Nah, not, no, one, not no one looks at Wiggins' numbers objectively and says that he's a bad player. So you can't look at his numbers objective. You can't look at his numbers, but if you watch the game like we're supposed to, you can say he's a bad player. Okay, but I'm trying to say... If you look at the advanced numbers, we can tell he's a bad player. Okay. Man, there's a reason Grant, why the it, man was averaging... He's averaging like, what, 22 points in his career, and he was known as one of the worst contracts in the entire league. Why is that? Yeah, but again, that's two different things, though, because you can you can pay no, any it's man... Over, it's the same thing. It's the same player, man. fam. Bro, what I'm trying to say is you what can you overpay any man and he'll become a a, a a bad contract. Let's not act like that's not a reality, right? Yeah, that's fair. No, no. That is why, But fam, he, why was he? Why is he touted as overpaying to that type of drastic? Because where you're a man that scores the ball that doesn't really do, in the league. Because what I'm saying is a man that just scores the ball, right, may not necessarily need to get 150 mil. And there's nothing wrong with that. But what I what I'm saying is I'm not going to take away from the fact that he can still score the ball. Because if Wiggins was making 80 mil, we wouldn't be talking about him the same. And that's what I'm saying with Anthony Edwards. At the worst case scenario, if he could just score the ball and no one overpays him, we're still going to look at this guy like he's a rotation, borderline, maybe even 10, 12 years Fam, starting but, the league. But, that's what, I, but that's what I was always talking about, why I'm afraid of these type of guys. Because these type of guys religiously get overpaid. And, it, and it's because of, number one, the pedigree that they entered the league with, the draft capital that you spent on you them, could, you could say the and then the 20-year game. Exactly. Same too. thing about ball. You can say about Chris. You can say about like literally. There's. It's not one type of man that's getting overpaid in this league. Hey, don't get it twisted. You have Darren Fox. That's we know he's overpaid, but he, nah, but in nah, a sense, nah, he deserves nah, nah. it. He's you no, know, there's he's man's... nowhere. He's nowhere near to like Darren Fox and Andrew. No, no, and, I'm talking and, about the type of player. Type of player. Because you're saying that this is a type of player that gets overpaid, but not nah, every every type of player is getting overpaid right now. We're seeing bigs that can shoot get overpaid. We've seen bigs that can't shoot, can't dribble get overpaid. We're, we've free seen bands. it all over the board now. It's free, free bands everywhere, fam. My thing, this is the thing with Anthony Edwards with the football talk. Like, I think it's kind of overblown because the original headline quote that you saw, it made it seem like the man says he doesn't fuck with basketball, and that's not what he said. He just said that he rather watches. He'd rather watch football. I don't really think that's a problem. I think there's like, do does everyone think that everyone in the NBA that grew to six foot eight or seven foot that was their favorite sport growing up? Like, I don't really think so. So, I want to draft. I want to draft somebody like that, though. That's what that means. No, no, I no, but I hear that. But there's, I think, I think there's a lot of guys out there, especially those those European players. A lot of these guys, fam. Like, chances are they grew to six eight, and their pops was like, "Yo, like you can't kick a ball no more. Like you're just too tall for that." <laughs> but yo, so I don't want those, court. I don't want those guys. No, no, and I hear that. But I'm just saying, like, there's like, more of those guys in the league than you think. Even football, there's probably bare American players that would rather play football. So him saying it. Doesn't mean he's not going to work because in in that same in that same interview, the man said, "This is my job, and I'm going to work to get better." So like, it's it's overblown. Man's are moving like the man doesn't like basketball, and that's not what he said. So what do you guys think about Wiseman? Not overblown. Like, <clears throat> we think but about it's overblown. It's overblown if you're fr- if you're framing it as if the man said he doesn't like basketball, and that's not what he said. 
No, no, but that's not what we're. That's not what I'm contesting. Like, I'm not saying that the man. Because, like, obviously, you like basketball if you if you're out here, you know, that's putting up true. the numbers. I'm not saying that you don't like basketball. Like, that's that's too loose of a word. I'm saying I'm looking like I'm trying to go deeper than that. Like, it's I'm trying to say, okay, so like if he if he gets any type of like adversity in 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 his career, whatever the case is, right? Or like if you pay the man. And then he sees the adversity. Like, how how much is he is he going to like continue to dig deep and pull more out of himself? But yo, hold or on. Let me ask you a question. Rely question. on the surface level. Let me ask you a question. Because again, when we're talking about motivation to play basketball, it's not. I guess Kev said not everybody has the same love for the game. Because for instance, we'll look at a guy like Dwight Howard. Dwight Howard's mind has been in the clouds for years now, but that guy's still a Hall of Famer. So it's not to say that because you don't necessarily have that yeah, love and for the a game. Re- like but yo, you can be you can be a Hall of Famer off of talent strictly. But when well, we're talking can. about it's players accolades. that are actually going to take you, when, you, when you're taking players that are actually going to take you to where you really want to go, like oh. you have to have that love for the game. Well, what I'm saying, Chris, you're not. No, no, but, but again, like, well, hold on. You can have love. You can. you to the No, but I think you you. You can have the love for the game, but you can love another game more. Like it's not it it's not one doesn't take away from the other. You could have the love. That's what I'm saying. So like, if the man, as long as the man's not out here saying I don't really care about this game, I don't see what there is to read into. Because you can love the game, but you can love another game more. And if he's not playing the sport, if he's as long as the man's doing what's required for him to get better in terms of watching the sport, like in terms of film, like. Yo, look at all what all these guys do. Look at all these NBA players, like the, the new age of stars in this league, how much video games they play. They run bare Fortnite, stream, all this. You think these men are watching ball? Realistically. And I'm not rocking with that either. No, okay, but hold on. You, you, you wouldn't have took Towns first overall? Because that nigga yeah, doesn't think like he watches any basketball. Okay, but see, and that's the thing. We can't go like that because we actually do we don't know like that. that. We actually don't know that. So that's a conversation. No, no, I know, but we don't know about... But, we don't, but, but what I'm saying is, right, based on my perception... I don't. It doesn't seem like he watches any basketball. Like on okay, his own. So we can time. take perception, and then we can take a nigga that actually t- tells us, "I don't really rock with basketball when it comes to football." Like that's completely what? different. That's the man not even is what he telling. Said, the man is telling you that yo, true say, if I had a choice, I would be playing football. So I but okay. I, I don't so understand that's what point. he said. <laughs> but what is, how does that mean he doesn't love basketball? No, nah, that's telling me you ain't dedicated still. What? You ain't dedicated. You ain't dedicated. So, okay, so hold on. There's certain people in life that are going to put their 120% into whatever they're doing, no matter whether or not they like it. If they take up something, if they decide I'm going to do this, I'm going to put my 120% into it. And there's obviously a money factor to it. So if honestly, the men that are great in this league, it's not just a matter of your love for the game. A man like LeBron James would have been his absolute best doing whatever the fuck he was doing if he wasn't 6'8", in my personal opinion. If this man was working in a grocery store, he'd be going the hardest in there because that's just who he is. That's his makeup. So for me, whether or not you love the game more than another, my thought process is the most important thing is, do you love the game? Okay, if you love another one more, fine. But are you a person that is going to put your 120% into every single thing you do every day? If yes, then it doesn't yeah, matter that, which one you love But that's, that's what's going to, that's what's going to, if, if Andrew, no, sorry, if, um, What's his name? Edward. If Ant Man is, is set up like that, if Anthony's set up like that, where he has that type of intangibles within himself, if that's in his DNA, I it'll save him. But then I haven't necessarily seen anything that says that because one of the things that came out against him, or one of the knock against him, is that his motor runs low. 
And yes, maybe that's because he was playing at Georgia with shit teammates. But yeah. the fact still remains. Yeah, that's one fair. of the knocks was yeah, that's that's motor fair. runs low. So if you're telling that's me fair. this man doesn't bring the necessary amount of energy to the game, and now I'm hearing that his love of the game is to be questioned, that's just a recipe I don't want a business with. Especially if there's a man like Lamelo on the board where I can pivot over to that side. That's all I'm but, saying. But man's but you, people raise the Hollywood questions with, with, with Lamelo Ball too. Like he's not he's not Anthony Edwards, like where that question remains, but there's something there with that one too. It's I'll not take Hollywood. Man, I'll take I'll take Hollywood. No, no, I understand. I understand. I'm just saying, like, it's not like you're it's not like we're going from one it's not like we're going from Anthony Edwards to to a man like Zion where there's no question about him. So Facts. Um I did have a couple more questions I wanted to get to you guys before we got to the break. So I know we we, were, we didn't really get a chance to speak about Wiseman, but I feel like it's kind of self-explanatory. I th- think he, we're all the lowest on him out of the top three. But um, my oh, next question—I'm <laughs> not the lowest on Wiseman. Don't don't get it twisted. I I will take Wiseman before I took before I took um Anthony. Let me. Here's my thing with Wiseman. Sorry, Robs. Like I got to no, go, go ahead. Still. Go ahead. Every I I heard Chris for months tell me about his defensive ability. We're seeing he's gonna come into the league. He's gonna be a defensive. He's gonna be a defensive presence at the very least. Seen at the least, huh? right? And then take in at the end. The last couple of weeks, I'm reading draft reports, and these men are talking about his weaknesses, and I'm seeing defense on there, saying how he might. She's gonna struggle to see the game, see the NBA game because he's a very he's very raw. He doesn't understand the game very well. So I'm like, yo, hold on. If men are telling me his strengths are defense. But the scouting reports are saying his weakness is going to be defense. The fuck am I drafting this guy for? No, his strength. When people say his strengths are defense, it's because his body is literally set up like Rudy Gobert. That's fine. He's, uh, no, he's no, a, no, he's I understand. A, he's okay, a more athletic Rudy yo, Gobert in, in his but yo, body. Realistically, when you have to play that position that he's playing, you got to think. Rudy Gobert isn't a great defender because he's just long. There's bare long mans in this league. Pause. You have to think. And if you're telling me that coming into the league, he's... I don't think he's going to defend either because it's hard. You're not supposed to be able to defend at this league when you get into it. Most 90% of men that come into this league, regardless of their athletic ability, size, measurements, men's love talking about the measurements, whatever, they struggle to defend. You're going to block shots. Cool, right? But you're not going to be able to do the necessary things to get stops. Because we've seen yeah, a guy like Aiden who can block shots. He has all the physical tools, but pick and roll, he gets roasted. When Damian Lillard, when those men are coming at him, they can't toss it. So for me, right, if you're telling me that, at least when he comes into the league, he can defend off rip, and he can't even do that. And I know the offense isn't there yet. I don't like it. Here's the thing, though, right? Just to go back at that, is that the physical tools, is, it's like at least, to me, it's half the battle, right? For me. Less. For me. For me. Go ahead. All right. But, all right. So for me, it's half the battle. So when I see the guy has the measurements of a Rudy Gobert, right, and he's athletic, I'm saying, all right, I like that. I, I can check that off the board. Next, I'm saying, how is his makeup, right? And I feel like that part of it, his mental makeup on the game, understand the pick and roll, he's going to get roasted because veterans in the league get roasted in pick and roll anyways, right? Yeah, yeah. Unless you tell him, unless you tell him specifically, we're only running a drop coverage and all you have to do is make sure you he don't will, give up a lot. He'll definitely get roasted then. He'll definitely get roasted. But he, regardless, he's that's going to come with years and it may never come. And that's okay because only a handful of, the, of, of bigs in the league can can handle that. Right. But I feel like because of his physical tools, he'll be able to at least switch and, and not not get bun up on a switch. Right. That's that's the next thing I look at. And then uh, and then the thirdly, 
his shot, right? He's not Chris Bosh where he's going to be, you know, he's not that fluid with the jumper, but the mechanics is what I'm looking at saying, yeah, like this is a guy you can work in. So my thing with Wiseman is the potential is there in so many different areas for him to be a dominant big in the league, right? And it's just about the team that's going to get him. Are they going to be able to develop him and get that out of him? I feel like Golden State can. My and, thing is, and, okay. and he's in a position where he's going to be able to work and get better because everything there, like the clay is there. It's great clay. It's just about forming him into the player that you want him to be now. But here's the thing, right? And this is what I kept saying about the Warriors. The clay is there in a sense of the organization, but since Steve Kerr has taken taken over the starting job, centers have played the least amount of minutes per game on in the NBA on that team. So for me... The opportunity for him, for one, I don't think he's good. Then again, I don't even think they're going to play him because they don't play the guys like that. James Wiseman. Why would they play. draft him? Because I, that's what I and that's what I don't understand. Because yo, you can't. I there's no way a man can logically tell me that this guy's going to finish games. I just don't see it because he's not good enough as a playmaker. You're saying, which isn't you're saying never. You're saying he'll no, no, he'll, not, he no, no, I'm not saying never. Him. I'm not saying never. But in okay. the next, like while they're competing, like right now, I, he's not going to finish games. Right, and that's not necessarily a knock, but when you're already playing man's low minutes because that's just not how you play centers, and he's not going to finish games. You're talking about a guy that's going to be a 20 minute per game man, and I feel like again, I personally think there's way too many boxes that Wiseman has to check for him to become an above, like an elite center in this league. There's too many things that he has to check off for me to get there. So for me, like I would have took in Lamelo, and Go sign a man like Nerlens Noel. Me personally, because I think you're getting the better talent. I'm not really about the fit. Again, we're talking about a fit. This is basically a fit, a fit pick, right? Because mm-hmm. you, we all agree that Ball is probably a better prospect than Wiseman. So if you're picking for fit, but you don't even respect that position, what the fuck are you doing? It. That's my confusion. Well, on the off you don't respect to, his position to play devil's advocate there. We were saying that, but maybe it's it, it's time for that shift. Maybe Steve Kerr recognizes, hey, the formula or the the template we had before may not be what's going to bring us forward in the next five years. We no longer yeah, have Draymond Green being the not, best hold, defender in the league at his side. No, no, but hold on, but hold in on. The history of of the NBA, we need a but big yo, man now. But okay, that's fine, right? But again, like, what's more likely though? Like that obviously can be true. You can be right, but what's more likely here? No, because no, I'm not again, faulting you. Kev. I think that's the, the scenario you spoke about is more likely. But the way I'm looking at it is like there has to be some rationale for them drafting him second overall because they could have moved the pick. They could have took. They could have took um, Wiseman. They could have took just another complimentary piece. But the way I'm looking at it is I'm saying they took Wiseman. Wiseman knowing his limitations right now. Granted, next season he might only be a 20 minute. But I'm going to have to assume that they're going to find a way to incorporate him and feature him heavily in the offense or on the court in the next three to four years. And it may be that time where they're like, you know what? The splash rolls things work. Clay is already on his injury. Maybe it's time that we gear our games to more to a more traditional game or feature him more in the offense or whatever it is. But there has to be a rationale for him drafting game drafted second. I don't know. Year. I my image of Wiseman in his first year is he's gonna be absolutely lost out there on offense because they're gonna ask him to do something. Cause look at the what they've asked their bigs to do. Andrew Bogut, they asked Mans to set those sneaky screens on Clay and, on Clay and Steph in general, right? We know obviously Clay's not there. Asked to set those sneaky screens to do those handoffs, those off the when they catch the ball in the high post. 
guys like Steph, the wing players who's going to be Wiggins, Uber, going to cut to the basket, look to find them. Wiseman can't pass, right? And that's not his fault. That's not even a knock on him. So what I'm saying is, like, I feel like they're putting him in a position where he's going to fail. As much as I don't even necessarily believe in his talent, I don't think he's going to be in a position to thrive because what they've traditionally asked about but that fam, position... You, you still have Draymond. So, like, no, why would Wiseman be in that position? No, because the, the bigs did that too. When I, The only man to play big minutes off the... Off the as a center for them is is Wiseman is um is sorry is Bogut and maybe Looney and it took Looney a very long time to get how they play and to find to again to find Steph when Steph's Steph, we've seen the Warriors offense they'll Steph will come out Steph that offense will create a screen for Steph literally out the blue no play called no nothing right and when Wiseman isn't getting those because he just hasn't gotten to that level of the game yet and that's not no knock on him because he's a rookie he's not gonna play and provided with the fact that they don't even look for his position to play a lot of minutes. I just don't think he's in a good position. I think if you put a guy like Nerlens, who's a bit more experienced, we obviously know we can defend, who would be better served to get that offensive scheme and what they do a lot quicker. Like, I think that's more... And you draft Lamelo. who's the better prospect? I think you're in a better situation at that point. I don't know. Fair. But we got a couple more subjects that we have to get to before we get to the break. So I know we all enthused about the top three but there is a full jazz we have to get to let's get to it man um so next question i want to post to you guys is, i and i i kind of limited it to the lottery but i guess i'll open up to the whole draft for now uh who do you think outside of the top three what do you think is the best fit um in terms of player to team and i guess i'll start it off personally i think the best fit overall i think is precious achua just because if you watch Precious Achua in college, and I know he's a 20th overall pick, so this might not mean much to some fans, but he's exactly what you need to pair with Bam. He's a guy who has the potential to gain a jump shot. He's a versatile defender. He's probably one of the only guys in this league that can guard bigs and smalls. And he's just versatile. Like he's he's a he's a he's a Swiss Army knife. I'm not gonna call him Draymond, but if I had to call him something, I'd say he's a he's a homeless man's version of Draymond. What? So then you shouldn't call him Draymond at all if he's hoping. No, I'm not calling him Draymond in terms no of time. Right. I'm talking in terms of his game, <laughs> like how he would play. Rubs, what is his skill? I think I said Draymond is this, Green, fam. Is, is his skill versatility? <laughs> his skill is the fact that he is above average on the perimeter as well as in the interior with the potential fam, to get a shot. Is he, make, is he a playmaker? No. But, so but, that, okay, that, but what that I'm off the board right away. No, no, okay. did that, Chris. Did that. That's what I'm saying is this. If I give it a synopsis of him. <laughs> what the fuck? No, what I'm saying, if I give a synopsis of Preston Chichua, when you watched him at Memphis, right? His whole game was he thought that he was a four and a three. He thought he's a wing, right? But he ended up playing the five because Wiseman dropped out, right? So that's when real man's realized that he can guard bigs. Because going into the season, he was supposed to be a perimeter-oriented player. And that's when guys realize, oh, hey, this guy can guard wings, but he could also guard bigs. And he's out there doing shots, taking shots he shouldn't be taking, but he's out there shooting the ball, right? So he, yeah. he has a willingness to shoot. So I'm saying if you pair that guy with Bam, and obviously in the Miami system, right, they're going to refine his game to the point where, like, even if he just is a versatile defender that can make plays, small drops, high screens, be able to take the open jump shots, he's going to be a much better player than he would be if he didn't go to it, if he went to another team. That's what I'm saying. Okay, yeah, yeah. I understand that still because at 20, especially going to Miami, how deep they are. I understand, like, 
backing up Bam, if you can do almost the exact same thing as him on defense, like to a similar extent, like if you can be the same player on defense, then I guess there is some value to that. Mm-hmm. Once it's just for me, once you start talking about these big guys and talking about if he can get a jump shot, that's when you lose me. So. But see, thing it's not me that I'm saying he can necessarily get a jump shot. I'm saying if he gets a jump shot, it's the plus because right now he is he right now he could legitimately guard wings, right? But he can also size up with bigs, and I feel like that's where the value is, right? And no, if he gets I a like, jump, I like him a, jump a lot. Shot. No, the thing is, like, you don't even have to say, like, if he gets a jump shot. Because usually when men talk about the mans that they say, if you can get a jump He's shot, it's the mans that actually have no jumper right now, right? I would give him more credit than that. He does he is, he is does have the, the ability to shoot, right? But, like, the issue with that is that I don't want to get lost in the mans that are shooting a limited amount of threes with a limited amount of attempts, have a decent enough, you know, percentage from D and now we say yeah well he should be able to shoot because he just wasn't taking the shot like that 32% on 1.3 attempts yeah like he he was just wasn't taking them so I'm like yeah he he I'm not gonna say he can't shoot I'm also not gonna say he won't shoot I'm just not bringing him up I'm just not gonna bring it up that's I'd rather when you come to me just just don't just assume that he can't shoot and let's go from there if you're telling me he's gonna be a good player and he can't shoot then I'm cool still then if he gets a jumper cool but yeah but I hear you though in that sense putting aside the jumper like he's very like he he's active that's one of my favorite things about players like he's very active he's all over the place um a lot of energy high motor and that's that's why the fit if we're talking about fit like all those things i just listed off are miami bound right so he's in the right position for him to be a player definitely for me i like i like two i like killian hayes to detroit and i like um Obi topping to the Knicks. I only like I don't like Killian Hayes in terms of a fit. I just like Killian Hayes. I'm gonna keep it a buck with you. I think Detroit is shit. I think the business they've done to start the year is pretty shit. Um, with Blake Griffin, at least that gives if Hayes starts, they need to get Dero's out of town. If Hayes starts, at least that gives him a like a good player on him. I know we kind of talk about Blake as being shit, but you know, compared to what some of these other rookies are gonna be playing with, he's probably one of the top best that you can ask for. So I like that. Um, Obi Toppin, I think, like he just dunks still, and New York needs some shit. Keep it a buck. Newsflash: <laughs> if he, if he, if he figures something out in this league, I don't really care about the age. Like you can't really play better than he played in last year, and so for him to to go to eighth and go to the Knicks, he's a New York guy. He sounded like he was ready. And Is that because of the tears? Sorry. Is that because of the tears? What do you mean? When he was when he got drafted, and he, he he was he was crying nah, on the when TV. He said, "I'm from New York." What do you mean? Nah, because I just feel like nah, a lot of mans gave, gave those guys a lot of extra credence when they started balling on TV. No, no, no. It's not about the balling stuff. That's the that's the tearjerker. But what I'm talking about, like, like all right, like when we're gonna get to it. The man said, "I'm from New York." They asked him what it means to get drafted for the next. The man said, "What do you mean? I am New York." So for me, I like it. It can't they can't that. get any worse. Um, that's who they are starting at four. Uh, Julius, Julius Randle. Right, we know what Randall. that is. He'll be out of here by the end of the season. So, um, I'm excited to see that one. So, at least it'll give them something. They had Kristaps Porzingis. That guy left, and hopefully Obi Toppin can come in and put some similar excitement to what Kristaps used to do in that building. Nah, for me, my player definitely. You might already know, like it's Tyrese Halliburton. The fit's and- not good, bro. Not yo, the fit is beautiful. I don't understand how the fit's not good. Like you have 
Darren Fox, that's a blur. First of all, the things that they knock about Halliburton is the fact that they say, okay, can he actually be like the lead, lead ball handler? Like, does he have that ability, you know, because of the pull-ups and all of that, whatever. His, you have the contrasting styles in Fox, who's a blur, and then you have the steady, steady Freddie Tyrese Halliburton that's going to go out there and do his job. A lunch pail, man. Wait, hold on. Quick, wait, hold play. on. Chris, did you say Maxi or Halliburton? Halliburton. You said Maxi, fam. But... So it's Halliburton you're talking about? I said Maxi? Yeah. So it's Halliburton. I'm talking about Tyrese, fam. There's, they're Tyrese, both named Halliburton. Tyrese, fam. Okay, Halliburton. All right, go ahead. Okay, so yeah. He's a lunch pail man that's going to go out there and do his job, right? He's extremely long pause. He's active out there on defense. He understands what he's doing in terms of he's one of those guys where he sees a read, he makes the read. He doesn't do anything that's too fancy or out of the box. He's not going to be like LaMelo that wants to do behind the back passes or anything like that. Like he goes out there, he runs your offense. That's it. He hits his open shots. As as much as you want to criticize his, his, um, his form, the fact is, when he is open, he slaps it. The only question for me is, is he going to be able to do those, um, you know, put pressure on the defense coming off the pick and roll and pulling up? I know he's going to be able to get downhill on you, but are you going to be able to have people respecting, you know, respecting the, the, the pull-up jump shot and not giving you that gap space? All in all, I feel like it's just a great fit. Put both of them together. You're lovely. Uh, I love, I like him a lot. Um, outside of Killian Hayes, I probably like him the most. For me, I just don't like the fit with De'Aaron Fox because I think the, the jumper is a bit questionable to me, right? And I think the reason why I say that is because I always, I, I already see Fox's jumpers being questionable. Now, if you insert Tyrese Halliburton to that starting lineup and his jumper, you know, becomes a bit shaky, then I think you're in a bad situation at that point. I don't even know if he starts. I don't even know if he finishes games right now because of Buddy Heald and he was playing like 30 minutes a game last year. But I assume there's a there's a way where all three of them play, to be honest. Um, because Halliburton has the size to do that. Fox is a pretty big guard himself. Buddy Heald can't really guard anybody, but that's the guy that kind of misses out. Defensively, they should be good. But for me, I like I can't get over the fit that they could have had with the Hawks and just his ability to plug, plug holes. Right? I think... If I'm drafting Tyrese Halliburton, I would have wanted him to plug my the holes I have. Pause, pause. I would have wanted him to plug the holes I have in my team. <laughs> and yo, I don't think I don't think he necessarily yo. fixes that because to me he's he is a lot more like Fox than Chris gives him credit for. Not in terms of like the style of play, but I think he plays with that speed. I think he is more to the rim than he is, you know, a shooter and. Again, if you match him with Trey Young, if you match him with one of these other guys, I think it would have been a better fit. I still like him though. I still think he'll be successful in this league at something. He's not a. I don't. He doesn't strike me as a guy that's gonna be. That won't be playing thirty minutes somewhere at some point in his career. My only thing is this: he's just Kev. too steady, fam. He's way too steady. My thing is this though: I'm not. I I, I agree with everything you guys are saying about Tyrese Halliburton because I'm high in his. I'm, I'm high in him as a prospect, but I can't say he's the best fit when he went to Sacramento, like. I haven't seen anything good come out of that organization in years. Maybe Darren Fox with his new contract. So it's like, I can't say that's the best fit because Sacramento, it just seems like a wasteland over there. Personally. No, well, yeah, mine's already knows. he's my favorite prospect. Like after, after you get past like the top three mans, like he's just my number one. And it's, I, 
it's one of those where like you know those ones where you lock in like you zeroed in on a man and then it's just that's just it like you're riding yeah. or dying or you're, i'm dying on that Halliburton hill but that's how i felt about killing hayes but i prefaced it with the fact that detroit is shit i just <laughs> fuck with hayes true i think it's kind of a similar situation with the kings like they have a, they have more talent there for sure but like that organization is bad and well, the way the West is gearing up, and I haven't seen a word coming out of the Kings except for losing Bogdanovich, it's not looking good for them. I don't know. Um, I was just gonna say quickly before we go to drink, go to break. I don't even know if guys really want to expand on this, but I was saying, uh, what do you guys think is your sleeper pick of the draft? Whether it be a first round pick, second round pick, I'm gonna shoot it to me. I think Tyrell Terry going to the Mavericks at 31 is a steal. Um, sleeper pick. A lot of guys kind of slept on him because of his his frame, but he's since put on muscle. And to be that type of mold and that type of player to play beside Luca, where he can just catch and shoot and hopefully score buckets efficiently, I think that's a sleeper for me. For me, it's Jaden McDaniels, yo. I was actually cheesed that that he slipped. Um, when he didn't slip, he went one pick before us, and I was like really looking at him on the board, saying, "Bro, like he actually might be able to get over." to to toronto and for me like it's just his length pause like extremely long pause um you know he has the he has the tools there where you can you can see where he has some form of you know jonathan isaac in him i'm not going to say he's um ingram or or kd because of the length or whatever like that but you know he has some defensive versatility like he, he plays outside on the wing he moves his feet reasonably well for a 6'10", damn near 7-foot-tall wing. And he can put the ball on the floor. His his issue with shot selection, thinking that he can shoot over anybody in, at any time. I feel like if you get him on a good roster, you clean those up, clean those up instantly. Tell him, yo, if you're going to take those shots, you ain't playing. And eventually, he'll take them out of his game. So, yeah, that for me, that's what that's, that's what I'm looking at. Um, I'm fucking with... Uh... Cole Anthony, to be honest. Like, I think it's a that, good fit for him. That's a big one. That's a big one. Too. Yeah, yeah, I think it's a good fit for him because, like, this is a guy that was, like, the consensus, at least, like, top three going into college. And obviously, he struggled at UC, at um, UNC, but his team was bad. He was coming off an injury. And the, the Magic haven't had a, like, elite port guard since Penny Hardaway. So, and we don't know what Fultz is saying. So I think he's going to, he might get an opportunity to play a lot of minutes in a team that's going to be a playoff team. So they have DJ Augustine out there on his very last legs trying to run this offense. So if Fultz doesn't step up, we could see Cole Anthony step up into a team that features Aaron Gordon, Jonathan Isaac, and Vucevic. So he he landed in a great spot where at 15, he could easily um, take over that starting job. And we know at some point there's talent. He just has to put it together. It's a fact. Hopefully he doesn't have to go out there and, and be a chucker like he was at UNC because I felt bad for him out there. Um, but yeah, that kind of sums up, I guess, our draft thoughts. Like, Wait, again, sorry, Robs. Yeah, go ahead. You're the college guy. Can mm-hmm. you explain to me this Aaron Neesmith man? Because the numbers are a monster. So, and okay, let, let me explain to you. So The guy from I Maryland? Agree. No. Nah, v- Vandy. Vanderbilt. Yeah. Oh, went to Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt. So okay, so twenty three per game. Sorry, hold on. Let me give twenty three per game. Uh fifty two percent from three. Oh, the on eight attempts. Wins. Yes, sir. Play twelve games, but Robs, let me know. Okay, so again, I didn't watch too much of Vanderbilt just because they're not typically a basketball school, right? 
They get a one-two guys here and there, but it, okay. So put it like this: he's good, but again, yeah, you always have to be careful when you talk about sophomores, right? Especially when they play in a weak conference, right? Because the SEC is good, but like it, other than Kentucky and a few other guys, three other teams, it's not really like a basketball powerhouse conference. And even at that, they're at the bottom of the table every year. So he didn't play a lot of games, and yeah, he shot it nice, but like I don't really know nice what to is think. An of understatement, still. Well, we would put things in perspective. When he played the full season, 32 games, he shot 34%, right? So it could have yeah. just been a hot streak that lasted longer than it was supposed to. So that's kind of the skepticism because now people have to rely on what they have, right? So I think he went a lot higher because of the fact that, yeah, the shooting percentages are wild and whatnot. But again, it's a 14-game sample size in a weaker conference at the bottom of the table. And if you watch him play, he doesn't play like he's the guy. I don't know if I'm saying that right, like, he plays like a complimentary player, which is very odd for a, for like an NBA prospect in college because usually those guys play, especially when they don't have other prospects on the team, they play like the guy. Like they they take things into their own hands, but he's not that type of player. Yeah, but if if he can shoot 40% coming into this league, going to the Celtics, like that's a great pickup for a team. He'll always started. be able to shoot though. That's for sure. But the thing about it is I don't even know if he can nah, really I, shoot like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's the thing, Chris. That's, what, that's, that's the only reason why he slipped. Like, because obviously I, I never seen him, right? But everything I'm reading, the numbers are nuts, but it's still only 12 games. And the season before, he shot 34%. So he could very well be 34, or he could settle in to the 38, or he could be a 40-plus guy. Like, I feel like based on all the numbers that I'm only looking at, like, you honestly don't know. But if he can shoot and Celtics get him at 14, and I think he has some size, like, that'll be an elite pickup for them off the bench. From what I heard, his, he struggles with putting the ball on the floor. and like Chris, he can dribble. He can dribble. Celtics don't need that, though. Yeah, obviously the Celtics do don't need that. So for them, like it, it, it is what it is. But I'm just talking about like him, him moving forward, Tap, like yeah, yeah, yeah. him tapping into whatever, <clears throat> sorry, whatever potential. Like they say that he can't put the ball on the floor, and um, so like yeah, they're gonna have to use him like a Duncan Robinson if he has that. But then again, like they also said that his his jump shot isn't that versatile in the and sense he's that not he's, versatile he's pulling like, up like that. So I don't know. Still, <laughs> like his numbers are good, but from what I was hearing, it just sounds like he's hitting his wide open threes and not necessarily murdering you on defense. So I don't know. But off the bench, I'll take that. Off the bench. <laughs> but college basketball does start in three, in three days. Uh, well on the 25th, whenever you're listening to this podcast. So Chris, I hope you're looking out for the Kentucky blue. They play on Kentucky blue. Are you crazy? T Clark yeah. and bought on Brandon Boston. Say less. Yeah. Um, but yeah, let's take our first break because we ran a little long on the first rush. We got to come back and talk about the value of a draft pick. So we're going to get into that to kind of contextualize what's been going on in the NBA. So stay tuned. We'll be right back after this break. We're back after a little banter on the break. <clears throat> um, yeah, so we got into the draft picks uh, in the first section. So now we're going to get into the actual concept of a draft pick. More so, we're going to talk about the value of a draft pick. So I guess what kind of sparked this discussion is the fact that over this past offseason and maybe even in the past couple of years, it just seems like people are getting willy-nilly with draft picks, right? They're either trading them as if they don't really mean as much as what we may think they mean to be in. And then the opposite end, some people are stockpiling draft picks as if they're gold. So I feel like this kind of sparks the discussion as to whether or not like, well, it sparks the discussion to say, well, like, what is the true value of a draft pick? Like, what does it mean to actually hold a draft pick and like, all the follow-up questions that we're going to get into. So um, I guess the first question I'll pose to you guys is, has the notion of a draft pick been devalued or increased in value given what's happened in recent years? And even most recently, given the uh, trades that's been happening since free agency opened. 
In my opinion, I don't even think there's a quite. I don't even think it's like it's debatable if the value of a draft pick has decreased because man's are giving these out. We've seen five go for Drew Holiday. And yeah, but that was a badass trade, like right. But we also saw like five go for for Paul George. We saw like multiple for Anthony Davis. Man's weren't giving up this much in the past for star players. Because there, there have been star player trades, but men's were not willing to trade away their future for eight, like for seven years in the pre in the past. So we can look at it as a bad trade, but or we can look at it and say, okay, what's going on here? Because obviously, men's are willing to give up years past the contract for the player they're even trading for for these guys. So, in that sense, has the value of a draft pick not diminished? Because, and I'm just trying to figure out why. I think what it is, I think. Teams are becoming less sensitive to these rookies because a lot of them are shit. And I think people are trying to start to realize that a lot of this is just luck. And if you're doing your scouting, you can get guys that are um, kind of slept on in the draft, maybe fall a bit lo- lower. And the allure isn't there anymore where you can go and get a guy that's going to fill the seat, that's going to win you games, possibly win you a championship. And the Clippers gave up five years of draft capital for a guy who had two years left on his contract. I, like we know that you don't value draft picks at that point, right? See, and we could say we can say we can say, look, that's one bad trade. But then we saw Anthony Davis get traded. Um, bear draft picks on that. Anthony Davis is a generational type player. Fair. Now we see Drew Holiday do it for five picks. Now we're seeing. We've seen OKC literally trade every single person for a first rounder. We've seen the Portland Trailblazers trade their 16th pick and a 2021 pick for Covington, then re-sign Melo and re-sign Rodney Hood. So we don't even know how much minutes Covington's going to play. Mans obviously don't value them at this point. My thing is like I wouldn't say that they don't value them, right? Not as I much. Not as much. Not. As I much. think it's two. I think it's twofold. Number one, I feel like it's the type of first round draft picks that may be decreasing in value. And I think that's just a, a function of man's getting smarter. Like all first round draft picks aren't the same. So like the type of protections that are put on them, it really matters. Which is why so like for example, yes, OKC is stockpiling a bunch of draft picks, a bunch of first rounders. And it may look like, oh, you know, they're set up for gold in the future. But a lot of those uh, first rounders for example, the one they got from OKC, from uh, Golden State, that is between 21 and 30. And, it, and, and and if it hits before that, if it's between 1 and 20, then it goes over to two, to two second rounders. So, like, yeah, who the fuck cares about that first rounder? You know what I'm saying? And they have a lot of first rounders that are like that, where it's heavily protected, and then it either rolls over to next year where it's heavily protected again, or when it rolls over, it turns into multiple second round draft picks. So yeah, if you want to give them that cool. And then my next thing in terms of like draft picks set up in trades, I feel like this, the, 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 the change has happened where instead of people saying, I want all of your young players, right? All of your young talent for my superstar. I think it changed over to now I want your young players and I want these draft picks, even if you do make them protected heavily. And that's just a function of people getting more because like we know superstars don't grow on trees. Right. So like, for example, the Carmelo Anthony deal, what would that was similar to the Anthony Davis deal back in the day when he wanted to force his way to go to the Knicks and the Knicks gave up 
all of the young talent that they had on the roster, including Gallinari and players like that, in order to get him. But it wasn't necessarily a big draft capital haul. Then you go over to Anthony Davis, where they want all of the young players and they want the draft cap, the draft cap compensation. And yes, most of those those um, picks are heavily protected. But it's the fact that you're getting more on top of the pile that has religiously been given out. So in my view, no, like draft picks are more coveted because we're we're getting more now. Like the Pelicans. But you're looking at one side. Get, you're giving someone has to give it up for you to get it. You have someone has to give it up. You're looking yeah, at someone like, getting it. But the the player, the people that are giving it up, I'm not the Pelicans. I don't even not not the Pelicans, Milwaukee. I don't agree with that trade at all. Like I feel like that's one of the worst trades we've seen in a very long time because nobody has ever mis misunderstood Drew Holiday to be anything than a All Star role player. You know what I'm saying? Like he's never made an All. Well, he's made one All Star team early on in his career, but after that, it's been nothing like that. Yes, he's a PER darling and he's an advanced metrics darling, but at the end of the day, like it is Drew Holiday. So for you to give up a guy like Eric Bledsoe and on top of that, give up that type of draft capital, it's just a terrible trade. It's just a terrible trade. So I don't want to use that as a metric. It's not, so, but I just drew the bare things though. Like, because again, I'm not using it as one, but there's only so many times we can see. Again, I just gave you Coven. They gave up two first rounders for a guy and we don't know what his role is going to be. But let me chime in. Let me chime in. So I think, I think, ahead, the, I think where I stand here is I'm not going to, I'm not ready to commit to the idea that the, idea of a draft pick has been devalued but going to what chris had said i think the protections really do play a big role here because i don't think teams are willingly to just throw out unprotected first round picks unless they're getting the generational talents like anthony davis and vice versa granted sometimes a team may be in a position where say milwaukee where they know that it, it doesn't matter whether or not they have their pick next year or not because if Giannis doesn't sign back they're going to be shit and then if they need to get a guy in place right now to secure Giannis for however many years they're able to do so, then they're going to have to do that. But I don't think they want to do that. So I think the idea yeah, like, is that with a protection, if you're throwing out protections on all these picks and the protected lottery, first three, this, this, and that, it's much easier pill to swallow to give it to another team, knowing that if things work in your favor, you're going to get that pick back or you're going to be able to make yeah, but that protections pick. aren't new. Like This isn't a new thing. No, no I'm not saying it that they're not new. But I, just, I, I just think we, in years past, we never seen so many protections on picks flying around like that. Because we never saw that many picks flying around. But yeah, I know but that. The but thing that's is like, Yeah, but like when but that, that's, the, that's the point though because Mans are saying, yeah, let's give them, give it to them if we're going to protect it. Right, but again, man, okay, if we, if, I, if, if, if we look at it, okay, Mans, protection is not new. Right, so let's move that out the way. What I'm saying is, if if mans are asking for more, because okay, superstars, these star players don't grow on trees. I need more if I'm going to give them. Right, you also have to be willing to give up more. And back then, we didn't see. There's give and take here. If I want more, you have to be willing to give up more. And people are are much more willing to give up these first round picks years into the future. Years. Yes, but they're protected. Right, but again, they've picks have been protected from the dawn of time, fam. So I'm saying too. So how so how am know. I now willing? Hold on, hold on, hold on. How am not am I willing to give up five instead of three? But then I'm still gonna say that picks are worth the same. Because I think yeah, that, I think because, the problem no. here is that yeah, picks have protections have lasted, have been here for years and years and then. But I think now we're starting to realize that if you if you properly protect a prick, you're actually not giving up much. Like you you're not giving me. shit. You're not giving up anything. Because if I'm a it's team and I protect the lottery and I give you the pick and it converts to two second rounds, I don't lose anything. And I think 
that's a realization that teams have probably had in the, in the last couple of years to say like, yeah, okay, we don't need to give out a first round. But haven't the buying teams, haven't the buying teams realized that as well? You're I know, but, it, but they don't lose anything that? by taking that. They could ask for that, and it's it's almost like it works bo- good for both parties. Because if I get it and it, it works for me, it works for me. If it works for the other team, it works for the other team. Yeah, but me like, giving it up doesn't really make me feel walks away saying I have the first rounder. You know what I'm saying? Like they walk, they walk away saying I have a first rounder. The team giving up the first rounder saying, bro. Like, for example, the Philly Sixers, they gave the pick in 2025. It's top eight protected. They're saying, fam, we still have been, by that time, Ben is still on deal. Um, Embiid, it, we'll see if we re-sign Embiid or whatever. But, like, we shouldn't be we shouldn't be that bad. We shouldn't be in the top eight to where the pick is actually going to matter. So, yeah, fam, let's so you're telling it me a 10th t- pick doesn't matter? To get off of a guy like Al Horford? Yes. No, no, I'm not, no, no, I'm not saying, no, no, I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying, like, a tenth pick no, does matter. Yeah, obviously it's, it's relative. Obviously it's relative, but I'm saying in in an instant like that, like me top eight, I'm giving a top eight protected pick out, and look at the benefit that is giving me. Look at the cap relief that it's giving me right now. Yes, take the pick. You can have it. I I just for me personally, I think I think the league has realized something. I think the league has realized that a lot of yeah, I agree with you guys. You guys are right um, about the protections and the fact that some of these might not even be anything. They might just be two second rounders. I agree with that. I also agree with the idea that for a buying team, if you just toss it on, I lose nothing. But I don't agree with the notion that man's are just saying, I have your first rounder. No, because if you're a real organization that's doing strategy, you have to also, you can't just say, I, ha- I have his first rounder. You have to look at the likelihood that it's going to convert and you're actually going to get it. Unless we're talking about just saving face in the media for what you got, then, and if, if that's what you're doing, if that's what your job is when you're making a trade, I don't think you should have a job anyways, and we shouldn't focus on those guys. We should be talk, we should be focused on the guys that are really trying to strategize, and when they make a pick, they're contemplating the probability that they'll even receive it. And if you're giving out five for Drew Holiday, if you're giving out two for Covington, if you're giving out five for PG, again, a man like PG has been notoriously switching teams. We know that nigga can go in any minute. He can just decide I'm out of here. And you're going to give up picks that outlast his his contract with you and along with Kawhi Leonard. For me, it just tells me that you don't value them as much as, as they used to be valued. Right? I think a team like OKC collecting 17 or 18 first-round picks in the span of, what, seven or eight years is unprecedented because teams wouldn't have been willing to give that up in the past. Yeah, but they were also in unprecedented areas because there's obviously, if it wasn't for Kawhi, Paul George isn't gar- garnering that amount of. Um, no, no, I understand. Back, you but, know what I'm but that, but, but hold on. But this the thing is right. I understand. Like, okay, c- c- the Cavs, sorry, the Clippers' willingness to give up that for PG, a lot of it has to do with Kawhi. Understood. Yeah, they were getting but Kawhi. But again, that was a right, give up. right. Again, but again. I'm not just referencing to one or two or three. You can try and make up rationales for every single one of these in themselves. But when you look at it and say, okay, there's five, six, seven, eight deals now where man's are just giving first round picks willy nilly. Like we have to say, okay, let's look at this in, in, in its entirety. You, okay. We can analyze each one specifically, but if every single one, there's a common, a common trend in this based on years past, at what point <clears throat> do we not say, okay, something's going on here. So hold on. Let me say this. <clears throat> To that point, I may have stumbled on. I, after having the discussion, I think what may be happening is that now with players having so much agency and having so much power, it 
it might be putting teams in a position where they might have to do those trades that they don't necessarily want to do. So it might not necessarily be that we're inherently devaluing a draft pick. Yes, you are. You are. But what I'm saying like is, it, whether or not you want to do it, fam, the trade is you're dev- you're you're putting less value on them now. Whether or not you saying, want to do, you it, might you not be wanting it. to do that. It may be the it player holding you, you to want. a certain. It's standard. what you're doing. I'm but sure. Think, I'm sure the Clippers didn't want to give up five picks for a PG. They didn't. But the, it's. It, but you did it. I understand it, but I don't think that means that they devalued. If you're going to talk about objectively their devalued picks, okay, but I don't think that the Clippers devalued those picks. I think Kawhi held them at ransom and said, yo, this has to happen. I said, give me that. You know what I mean? If If you give up something for the low, right? If you give up something, if you give up something that you necessarily weren't supposed to, that means you did not value it the way that you should. But if you're pissed about doing it, does that mean that you didn't value them as much as as much as other people? Because like no, if, but now you set a market. Because again, if Bucks are pissed that they gave up five for Drew Holiday, it doesn't change the fact that now Rockets want eight for Harden. It doesn't matter whether or not the Milwaukee Bucks wanted to do it or not. The so I'll say this. Did it. I'll say this. If we're gonna say that in order to keep superstars, a dysfunction of that is but is to devalue the draft picks. I hear that. Then I'll agree with you on that point. But I'm still on the notion of saying that I don't think that these teams are happily doing it. I think they're doing no it as happily a giving up. Yeah, but no one's no one would ever happily give up five picks. Like no one's happily doing any of this stuff. Realistically, it seems to just have been a byproduct of what's going on. And I'm just trying to understand why. Because from in my brain, again, rationale for all three, every single one of them, fine. But we're talking about six, seven. Like man's are moving these draft picks. OKC can't get 18 picks. Who look at who OKC has actually traded, right? They traded PG, which is a good player. They Top traded, MVP. right? Which is a which is a great player, right? Aside from that, they traded Westbrook, who three times had a bad contract, one time. Okay, MVP. but at the hold on, hold on, no, no, but hold on though, hold on, because we know at that time when they trade him, he, there wasn't much to get for him. It's because they took back Chris Paul while that deal worked. Let's let's keep yeah, it a book. Between was one of the worst contracts in the league, right? And I understand, but let's not act like. Russell, Russell Westbrook's value has changed much between this year and last year. It hasn't changed too much because Maz know who he was. For me, right? And again, you can have an explanation for every single one of them, but this keeps happening. And if you look at it in totality and the fact that they're just giving these picks up away, first rounder for Kelly Oubre, first rounder for Steven Adams. Um, who else? Shorter, first rounder, but that's a late one. That one's not that big of a deal. Um, it's, it's literally everywhere. Maz are giving those up again. Covington, two first rounders for a team that has cap issues, that's going to struggle to sign free agents. And then you bring back Melo and you bring back Hood, which puts a logjam in that position that you just gave two first-rounders for. Like, at that point, I don't know. Again, we may not know. We may not know till later on down the line. But for me, for me personally, I think the picks have been devalued. So let me segue mm-hmm. into this next question then, because I feel like this is a nice way to bring it up. So what is your realistic expectation of a draft pick? Because I feel like that really plays a role. Because like if we're saying if we if we're going with the notion that okay, draft picks are devalued, is that because you don't think that you're getting much from the upcoming like you're not expecting much from the draft pick? Me like me personally, because when I okay, so first I get to the realization that they have been I think they've people so they have devalued draft picks, right? They don't value them as high as they used to anymore. And for me, the most logical thing to me is the fact that they expect less from draft picks than they did in the previous because I feel like there's been too many high prospects in recent memory that have become that have not panned out to be anything and even the good ones that that we can say panned out they're not necessarily needle movers I think people are noticing that 
this top three, this top two, whatever, is more oftentimes you're not finding the best guy in the draft with this. And they may be starting to say, okay, let's put more trust in our scouting department as opposed to the general consensus to find good value with these picks where I can trade into the draft, I can trade up, I can do things within the draft as opposed to saying, all right, I got to keep this pick just in case I'm the worst team in the league. Because I think for me personally, players that are coming out of the draft, their impact on the game has just gotten worse and worse. I completely disagree, fam. <laughs> I'm not talking talent. I'm not talking talent, but like in terms of the guys who are supposed to be good, a lot like of them top in seven recent times. Top think, seven guys? Yeah, like the guys that are supposed to be good stars in this league, I don't think they're panning out to what they're supposed to be anymore. Or what they were expected. I think this I think the expectation was too high. So it's not even a knock on these draft guys. I think the expectation was too high. I think you had too many people picking in the top 10. I think you had too many guys picking at eight who were expecting to get a superstar or a star, someone to lead your franchise for the rest of the, for the rest of the, for 10 years. And I think people are starting to realize that, okay, that's a bit of an unfair expectation. So with that, once I realized that I was expecting too much, the value on them drops. See, I feel like that thinking is just backwards, though, because... Number one, we've seen it happen. Like we've seen Paul George go eighth and become a superstar. Okay, right? but I'm talking about general. A, no, no I, yeah, I understand that. But I'm just saying, like, I'm just saying it has happened. So, like, if somebody gets a, a, if somebody feels like somebody slipped or they identified someone and they say, yeah, like this guy can do it, that that talk, rhetoric, whatever, it's always going to be prominent because we've seen it happen before. I'm just nah, saying but it's that. Not about, but that's how you. That's how you fall into into false traps because you saw it before. So you just think that it's likely or it's, it's a good decision to hang on to these things. But more often than not, these eight round picks aren't good. Yeah. You can slip into one superstar, but it doesn't happen often. So what I'm saying is you can't look at things from a specific level, because obviously there are guys you have Donovan Mitchell at 14, right? Obviously you have those. That's what I'm saying. Like, I think people yeah, are but then you also assets. have Jamal. You have Jamal Murray at seven. You also have a guy like Andre Drummond at ten. You have, um, uh, what's his name, McCollum at ten. Like you, you can go through draft classes and but these say, are, but like, again, this is what I'm saying. Yeah, you can, but you can also go through draft classes where one through fucking five are shit, or at least four of them are shit. So what I'm saying is, and again, you, I'm not saying you can't get a guy at eight that's a star. What I'm saying is the idea that one through eight is supposed to be a star. I think that notion is passed. Because again, I'm not saying a guy at eight is not going to be a star. There are men at eight a star, but one through eight, as generally, you think that if you're drafted one through eight, you can get a guy to lead your franchise for ten years. And I don't think that's the case. I don't think it ever was the case. But because you have guys like PG, because you have guys like Kawhi, people put a lot of stock into these picks. And for me, I personally think. To get these good players, these undervalued players, the ones that slip or whatever, that are going to be better than where they're projected, I think it more so it comes down to scouting. I, I agree. Think teams are it's more it's always it's that. always come down to scouting, no matter nah, where you nah, are. Nah, 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 no, nah, not no, no, it's not because if you're because what I'm saying is, if if I can scout, if I believe in my scouting department, now I'm less reliant on where I pick because wherever I pick, I'm gonna get the best value for that. See, here's my thing. I agree with you, Kev, and I never seen it from that perspective, so I do agree with you. Because I think the problem now, or I should say the realization is, is that people are starting to realize you're not getting the LeBron James. Like we we speak about generational talents very loosely. It's called a generational talent for a reason. You get it once in a generation. But I feel like every other draft, guys okay. are saying that this is a game changer, this is a guy that's gonna get that. And the reality is that it's not. So 
I think maybe teams are starting. Why to... are we even talking about a guy like LeBron James? We're not talking no, about but, a, no, a team. You're not understanding up their... my point. No, 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 you're not understanding my point. My point is, is that we keep talking about guys as if they're generational talents when they're not, right? Because if we're really pinpointing generational talents, there's only been about three in twenty years. But every okay, other so draft, name, me the, as name me the guy. Guys. Name me the guy that was that was touted other than Andrew Wiggins because I did hear man's calling him the next LeBron. So other than Andrew Wiggins, in the last however long that you can, Andrew for, Wiggins, who was a generational Zion talent. Imani Bates, like so the list goes on. I'm not. Why are you talking to me about guys that's not even in the because draft? Because I'm saying I'm he's talking talking about about past, that right no, now. No, no, he's no, talked no. About. I'm talking about. I'm talking about past drafts. Because first of all, I don't even understand why we're arguing about guys at the top of the board. Because players, teams are not giving out picks at the very top of the board. That's number nah, one. But, so why but are we no, but the thing is, this? no, this is why point. because. This is why, because if if the uh, if the whole aspect of the entire draft board has changed, then that also lowers the value of those top guys too. It's 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 the entire aspect. For me, right? Okay, like this is a prime example. Seen, you're, I think it was last pod. You're talking about guys like Chet Chet. What's that guy's name? Chet what? Chet Holmgreen. Holmgreen. Yeah, you're talking about the Chet Holmgreen draft. The Chet Holmgreen draft. Meanwhile, this man might touch college, look like Cole Anthony, and be absolute dog shit. But in your mind, you don't want to give up a pick. For a Chet Holmgreen, for the possibility yes, of Chet Holmgreen, you shouldn't. No, but this is the thing. But again, look at the look. Look at the NBA. Look at the landscape. Is that the general consensus? Stop thinking about how you think, Chris. They look at the general consensus. Whether you protect um, those picks or not, if you give up a if you if you if you're fourteenth, now you can't trade up. You can't do things. You're still giving up the opportunity to draft that guy if you protect the pick, whether or not you do, because you're. You're giving out the possibility of not because if Chet Holmgreen is 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 high, someone else is, is has to go after him. Everything cascades down in the draft. So if someone goes high, some there's supposed to be someone below that. There's supposed to be somebody. No one's saying um, Chet Holmgreen's supposed to be the only one in this draft. Yes, no one is saying that. Even in the next draft, like Cade Cunningham isn't the only man up. There's also going to be Jalen Green. There's also going to be other players, and that's the reason why you I. To me, when I'm looking at draft picks, I'm a value it. I'm I'm going to hold on to them. I don't. No, that's why I'm I, not saying value. But you're not okay. But you. But what I'm saying, people are not doing that. But they are because the they're, they are protected. It's not like they're handing out. They're just saying. Here's the thing. Milwaukee here's the thing. handed out two unprotected draft but here's picks. Here's the thing. One in twenty five and one in twenty seven. I do not agree with that. Right, I would okay, never but, do that. Okay, but again, it's not about what you would agree with. Because here's the thing. But other if you protect other a pick, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Memphis picks protected this year, right? Top eight. Okay, say their shit this year. Say their shit this year. They get that top eight pick. They pick whoever. What are the chances they're not shit again when that pick converts to unprotected? So now in the Chet Holmgreen graph that you keep talking about, when they're a shit team again like they've been for the past 20 years and they can't win games, now you're sitting in the lottery with a fifth odds to win the with the, the thing and it goes to the Warriors. Yes, and that, but that that's based on negotiation. So you can either do it where you say protection, protection, protection. If it doesn't convert, it's a first round unprotected. That's up to the teams to to, to, to negotiate that. Or right. you can do and it protected, protected. And I understand converts that. into two okay. second rounders. It's and I understand that. Right, but if Minnesota is not, it doesn't care enough about that pick to convert it to where it's protected, protected, and then it just falls off. Right? Is does that not then say that they've devalued them? No, because they're you're also. This All is right. why you have to speak about the situation. They also said, "I need to get um, uh, Officer Russ. We need D'Angelo Russell." Yeah, but, so, right, but again, again, is, again but it, again, you keep talking about one specifically. Changing. But yeah, I can you, point you to twenty of these. To that, you can't pinpoint it all to a boils specific down situation. to negotiations, fam. Like, Chris, what, Chris, like Chris, you Chris. have to talk about the specific instance. Chris, we understand that, but we're talking about no, no, level. If we're talking about one, we can. But 
in a high level, when you sit back and say, okay, you're looking at, okay, this deal was made, this deal was made, this deal was made, right? You're going to have a rationale in that time. Every team has a rationale for they do everything. Everyone has one. But when you analyze trends and changes, you have to look at high level data. You have to look at data sets, multiple, not just one. I'm not looking at one and saying, okay, what's going on? Hey, here? And the change that I see is that the, the, the setup of first round draft picks have changed. The mindset of how valuable is a protected draft pick when the protection is elongated, how valuable are those picks? That's the change. See, the change isn't said. necessarily necessarily is a draft pick valuable or not. It's what type of first round draft picks are we going to value? No, because here's my thing. Here's my thing. This is where I said, and again, go, finishing off my point from earlier. Again, I think teams are starting to realize that you're not getting those guys that are going to instantly change your franchise. So therefore, they're probably putting more stock. So you're into taking the yourself out of the. Nope. So you're taking yourself out of the running. No, it's no, not man. Yo. Right, let me finish. What I'm saying is, it's not like I think teams are starting to realize you're not going to get a LeBron James. You're going to rather get a piece to a, 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 a organization that's going to build up the roster. Look at how Boston did it. They built with Jalen Brown. They got signed by Marcus Top Smart. Three. Tatum. But what I'm saying is, Top they three. realize that <laughs> those guys in and of themselves are not changing anything. And All I think right. that's the problem that people are having on. Again, Yo, I might agree not... with you. They're devaluing draft picks as a result because they realize that one draft pick isn't making or breaking your team. Right. I don't think I don't think they're saying they're not going to get that guy. What I think is the pot, the probability of getting that guy has decreased. I think substantially because I think teams have realized that the way that they coveted these guys and expected them to be stars coming out of the thing. That's why I think we're seeing way more guys like the Okoros, like the. Justice Winslow, those type of men that are just supposed to f come in and be a role player for the rest of their career. I think that's why we're seeing those guys more so because teams are looking at it and saying, okay, before inst instead of shooting for the stars with these guys that could be good or be absolute shit, I'm going to try and get a more of a complimentary piece, something that can help me win now, and hopefully he progresses. But I think those two things go hand in hand. For me, it's like, yeah, Chris, you can every single time look to the specific and say, okay, yeah. This is why this happened. And that's fair. But I'm not talking about one specific instance. I'm talking about multiple instances across multiple years now. And if if you're devaluing the... I'm talking about draft picks in general, right? The question is about draft picks in general. Protected, unprotected, right? Obviously, if you're much more willing to give up a protected pick, then the value of draft picks in general have decreased. That's my thought process in that. Because to me, that's the only thing that makes sense. I don't think protection protecting picks is new because they've been doing this so for me like it's man's were never really giving up unprotected for the past at least like decade so for me it's like i just think you can't see something keep moving keep moving keep moving keep moving for basically what we see is less and less like people are more willing to give them up and then say they're valued the same person but i'll i'll let it go with that still i uh, know it's weird we're gonna see exactly what happens because if I, just as a summarizing point, I think going into this discussion, I would have said that it's not devalued, but I think, I th I think after the discussion, I'm gonna have to agree with the fact that it is slightly devalued, but I don't think it's done on purpose. I think it's just as a result of player agency and with this new player movement and how much, <clears throat> how much say they have in the organization, it puts it puts teams in a difficult position where they unwillingly have to trade picks, and then they all of a sudden looks like picks are devalued or it objectifies picks to be it does it devalued. Just yeah i don't think man's want to do it right it's just a but byproduct just, of keeping stars. yeah it's just a byproduct of what you're doing now like again milwaukee didn't want to give up five picks for drew but now houston has to demand seven at least it is what it is that's how it goes chris you have anything you want to say before you get out of here 
I just completely disagree still. I don't think they're va- devalued at all. The type of first-round draft picks are the ones that are changing. And it, okay, it's but perfectly if one type fine. changed, if one time changed, if one type changed, then if we're talking about them as a general draft pick, then it's changed a well. Yeah, I don't like the sound of that one. i just rather say... But it's a fact. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to stick on the side of saying the type of first-round draft picks that are being handed out, those are the ones that are going more freely because both sides are getting something out of it, right? And then, and I completely think it's fair to set yourself up in a position as a franchise looking ahead at players that you identify that could be generational talents. That's perfectly fine. It is. And no, in, my, in my book. But here's, no, but here's the, the thing. Rob's just talking thing. about, oh, you don't know about this. Uh, no. I'm just saying, I'm tired here's of guys it's saying that fine every year the generation of guy. And... is about to do something in the league, and we are going to make sure that we do everything in our power because of the way we're set up to position ourselves in his, in his you know, alignment. That's fine. Here's the thing. Here's the thing, right? The OKC is going to be the case study. We're going to see right now. OKC went and has gotten X amount of picks. They're probably not done. They're probably going to get more. If they come out of this shit with no start to their name, you'll see the rhetoric change. You'll see people start talking about, okay, what does this shit really work? Because they're the test case now. If they come out with, with, with another KD, Russ Harden, you'll see man start to say, okay, like you're going to see a change. You're going to see people, what, it's either going to go one way. If they come out with a Russ, KD, and Harden, man's are going to be unwilling to give up first round picks anymore. If they come out with zilch, nothing, then you're going to see man saying, all right, what the fuck was this for? You trade away talent. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Um, again, NBA offseason is not quite over yet, so these trades aren't done yet, to be honest. Like, OKC might end up having 20 picks. But we'll see exactly what happens because we're on day two now. Sorry, day three. And I believe... Do we have a moratorium? Or is that... Did they cut that out? No, that's, I think that's dead. So. Oh, yeah. So I guess trades are signings are now finalized. So we'll see what happens in the next upcoming days. And we'll definitely touch on that in the next spot to see exactly um, who went where, who stuck where, and who got traded where. But you guys have anything you want to say before you get out of here? I know we ran a little long. No, I'm good still. Chris, you're blessed? Nah, just shout out, shout out to my dog, Murray, man. He did the impossible, and I, I very much appreciate it. Championship bound. We'll see. But nonetheless, it's the hard report, man. Here to wrap it up. Uh, still coming at you regularly. We're going to come at you once a week from now on. Uh, available on all streaming platforms. So make sure you click that, download it, share some feedback, comment, whatever you need to do. And never hoard a good thing. Give it to all your friends. We're here to try to make it to get in as many hands as possible. But until next time, we'll talk to you guys. Take care. They won't swallow, we let them sticks breathe. Now my kind of thing, they miss breathe. Boy, they ride like all fishing. Another level, I'm on a big league. They want some money like a beast, please. This fry like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bullets still fly like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Niggas still die like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mama still cry like.